Welcome to this week's edition of Island Recast. For more information on Grand Memorial Presbyterian Church or Pastor David, please go to gmpc.org. So back in my Navy days, uh, I got to spend some time uh, in the uh, sonar shack. And uh, that's where you go and you put on a set of headphones and you, you listen to, uh, the, to the fish and other things that are out there in the ocean. And I remember sitting there chatting with the guys and... Uh, they handed me one of, their, one of their manuals, kind of an introduction to sonar. Uh, and, uh, uh, and, of course, sonar is actually kind of a, a contraction for uh, sound navigation range. That's, that's where they come up with the word uh, sonar. And uh, I'm, I'm reading in this government manual a definition of sound. And the, and the definition of sound is uh, vibrations that travel through air or other uh, uh, medium and, and then are received uh, by, uh, by a hearing entity. That it takes those two things to make sound. Uh, and, and an object and a receptor. And as I'm reading that, I realize that I have in front of me the answer to that age-old question. If a tree falls in the forest and no one's there to hear it, does it make a sound? And according to the United States government, in the manual on sonar, the answer is absolutely not. No. If a tree falls and there's nobody there to hear it, it doesn't make a sound. Now, if you want to take issue with that, you can write to the government, not to Pastor David. <clears throat> but I was thinking about that, uh, that it's, it's, it's one thing to have a noise or a vibration that is emitted, and you have to have something there to receive it in, in order for it to be heard and it reminded me of an observation that Martin Luther made with regard to the Word of God. Martin Luther commented that the Word of God exists in three forms. There is the incarnate Word of God. And we talk about that, we talk about Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have the incarnate Word of God in the person of Jesus Christ. But we also have the written Word of God. That's this right here. And it was uh, actually uh, the uh, 20th century uh, uh, theologian, Carl uh, Barth, who got uh, a little bit of pushback when he said, yes, the written word is the word of God, but this is nothing more than a paperweight. You actually have to take it and open it and read it, and it becomes the word of God. Now, we can talk semantics uh, about that, but the reality is that there are a whole lot of Bibles, uh, probably in in homes across the America, uh, and if they're not being burned, which is, uh, uh, that's a whole other subject and a sermon for another day. Uh, but uh, actually, I might come back to that in a bit. 
But there's a lot of Bibles out there that are not being read. They're just sitting on a shelf collecting dust. Now, so we have the proclaimed Word of God. We have the written Word of... Or, excuse me, we have the incarnate Word of God. We have the written Word of God, uh, according to Martin Luther. And we also have the proclaimed Word of God. And the proclaimed Word of God, according to Martin Luther, uh, consists of two things. There needs to be an authentic proclamation of the Word of God. But there also needs to be an authentic hearing of the Word of God. You can have an authentic proclamation, but if no one's hearing it, 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 it's just noise. You have to have an authentic hearing. So there's a responsibility on my part to authentically proclaim the Word of God. There is a responsibility on your part to authentically hear the Word of God. And when you have an authentic proclamation and an authentic hearing, uh, uh, hearing, then at that moment, the proclaimed Word becomes the Word of God. Now, we're working our way through the book of Romans, and we're, uh, uh, we're spending time in this parenthetical section, chapters 9, 10, and 11, where, where Paul is, is dealing with the issue of Jewish belief and unbelief. And he is grieved that uh, more Jews have not accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Now, once Paul was knocked off his uh, uh, horse or whatever it was that he was traveling as, as he was going to Damascus and the, and, and, and the Lord confronted him, you know, he spent about 10 years uh, before he started proclaiming the gospel in, 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 and I think that during those 10 years, he was searching and studying the scriptures. What did I miss? Where, where were the dots that I failed to connect? How, how do I bring this all together? And after 10 years, he was able to articulate a gospel of Jesus Christ. And we know that uh, uh, throughout Paul's ministry, the first place he went was to the Jews. And many of them believed but even more rejected. And for, for, for what reasons? We'll get into that as we, uh, as we move into the, uh, into the 11th chapter of, uh, of the book of Romans. But uh, 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 falling on deaf ears, he did not stop there. He turned because the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel, was for all people, not just for the Jewish nation. It was for all people. This was a fulfillment of a promise that was given to Abraham, that his descendants would be more numerous than the stars and that they would be a blessing to all nations, all nations. And we read throughout the Old Testament these references to the fact that the day would come when the good news of God's grace, His mercy, His compassion, His justice would be un, uh, unveiled to the whole world. And of course, we see that happening through Jesus Christ, a fulfillment of the promise that was given. If you have your Bibles, I hope you have them open to this ninth, uh, uh, tenth chapter of the book of Romans. We're going to pick it up here uh, uh, actually, I'm going to start probably a, a couple of verses back in, uh, in verse 12. We remember that Paul's struggling uh, to help. He's not struggling, but he's working to help the Jewish 
background believers and the Gentile background believers uh, uh, in Rome to recognize that uh, Jesus is a fulfillment of the law and that through Jesus Christ, forgiveness is at hand, that he is the ultimate day of atonement that, uh, uh, and that there is a righteousness that is available to all, a legal status, if you will, that God extends to all who put their faith and their hope in Jesus Christ. Not in the law, but in Jesus Christ, who is the fulfillment of the law. And, and for, the, uh, uh, for, the, for the Jewish background believers, they still want to know uh, the place of the law that God has given to them. So they're wrestling between how to apply the law on top of, or as a, not on top of, but alongside of this grace that now comes through Jesus Christ. And they're, and they're, they're wanting the, the Gentile believers to be a little more Jewish, and the Gentile background believers are hoping that uh, the, the Jewish background believers would be a little less Jewish. And so there's this, this tension going on. And then what about all the Jews that have not uh, responded to this good news? Paul talks about this uh, in verse 12. He says, in chapter 10, verse 12, he says, Therefore, he says, for there is no difference, no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call upon him. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. We talked about that last week. The, 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 glorious, the glorious, inclusive statement that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord that in God's eyes there is no difference between male or female, between Greek and Jew, between slave or free. Every single person is an image bearer created in the image of God. Everyone, every single person, and anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. We talked about this last week, two things that I wanted everybody to walk away with, two things. Number one, we are all created in the image of God, meaning that we all have inherent worth and dignity and need to be accorded that respect and dignity to every single person. We're all created in the image of God, and we all need a Savior. We all need a Savior, every single one of us. And Paul states it right here categorically that anyone, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And then he goes on and he asks some rhetorical questions. Verse 14, how then? How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Now, we could just camp out in these couple of verses for the rest of the day. You know, Paul kind of steps it backwards. You could, you, you could re, re, reverse the order of it and, and, and actually start with, uh, 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 start with 15 and then move the other way. Because the first thing that we have to do is we have to send people out with the good news. We have to send people out who are willing, willing to preach and to proclaim this good news. There's an authentic proclamation. 
But that authentic proclamation must also be authentically heard. How can they hear without the proclamation? And once they have heard, then they can respond and they can believe in the one who was sent. They can believe in Jesus Christ. Now, now there's, a, there's a, just a little caveat that I want to put in here with regard to a proclamation, an authentic proclamation and an authentic hearing. Our job, our job is not to convert anyone. Our job is to be faithful proclaimers of the good news. It's someone else's responsibility to authentically hear that, and it is only through the power of the Holy Spirit that someone is converted, that their hearts are changed, that they become a follower of Jesus Christ. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's not the work of anybody else. But we do have a responsibility to be proclaimers of the good news. And we have good news. So let's go through that again. Uh, how, can they, how then can they call on one uh, they have not believed in? And how can they believe one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Who's Paul referring to at that point? Who's he talking about? Who are the ones who are preaching? Well, that's what I'm doing today, right? I'm a preacher. That's your job, preacher. You got to go out there and save the world. You got to go out there and proclaim it. No, 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 no. A thousand times no. That's not my responsibility. You know what my responsibility is? To feed God's sheep. My responsibility is to unpack God's word for you. My responsibility is to make sure that I'm authentically proclaiming the good news. So, oh my gosh, did we just have an accident? All right, is anybody, does anybody seem to be hurt? Okay, Lord, we just pray for safety for the people who are involved. It's a dangerous corner right there. It's our job to authentic, it's my job to authentically proclaim to you so that you can authentically hear, so that you can live your life in the kingdom of God. To live your life out loud, uh, uh, as it were. That, that, that your life would be a proclamation of the gospel. Uh, Francis of Assisi said it best. Proclaim the gospel at all times. Use words when necessary. Words are necessary. People need to understand who we are and why we do what we do. We need to live it out, though. And my job, my responsibility, is to help us to live in the kingdom of God so that when we go into the world, the world sees something different about us. That our lives are markedly different than our non-believing friends and neighbors. We are the ones, all of us, who are to live our lives out loud in a proclamation of the good news. And how can they preach unless they are sent? You know, it used to be that uh, we would talk about sending, uh, sending people into the mission field. And, uh, and the mission field was some exotic place where uh, uh, maybe, they had, maybe they had running water, maybe they didn't. Probably most of the time they didn't have running water, no electricity. Uh, you know, they ate strange foods and, uh, you know, we would hear these stories of the missionaries come back and we would be wide-eyed. Of the, of, the, of the natives who are hearing the gospel for the first time and, and, uh, and, and coming to know Christ. Uh, and, and, and a couple of different emotions appeared. You know, uh, part of it is, is it great excitement 
but also it's a little unnerving. It's like, wow, boy, I'm sure glad God had called that person into the mission field and not me because, you know, I don't like bugs and snakes and, and I wouldn't be a very good witness. You know what? And I, I firmly believe that uh, if you hate bugs and snakes, God's not going to send you someplace where there's bugs and snakes uh, because he doesn't, he doesn't want, he wants people that are, that are joyful. He wants all his people to be joyful. But that's a, that's a whole other thing. That's, that's, that was then. This is now. And you know, what, you know what now is? Now is recognizing that the mission field is all around us. We no longer have to go to the mission field. We live in the mission field now. I read an article just the other day. You know how many countries, countries, are represented in the San Diego Unified School District? 162. 162 different countries are represented in the San Diego Unified School District. Now, I'm sure that here in Coronado, it's a much smaller school district, that we have fewer countries uh, uh, represented. But the point is, uh, we don't just live here in Coronado. We live in the greater San Diego area. We interact with all the people that live around us, and we're, we're living in the mission field. It's, it's, it's here. It's on our doorstep. Every time, we st- every time we go to the grocery, every time we go to fill up uh, uh, with gas, every time we, d- we go shopping, when we go to work, everywhere, every place we go, we encounter those who are dying to hear the good news. They're dying to hear the good news. And we have it. And I hope you believe that it's good news. I hope you believe that God is for you and not against you. And that he does desire that you would have life and have it abundantly. And that he has given us a framework within which we can thrive. If we lean into him, trusting that the work is done, that through Jesus Christ we have access to God. We don't have to work our way to it. We don't have to earn it. That God's grace, his mercy, his compassion is a gift. That is good news. But then Paul goes on to say this. Well, actually, let me go back. He says, how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Are your feet beautiful? If you're bringing the good news into your world, then your feet are beautiful. But not all Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah said, who has believed our message? Consequently, Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. The message is heard through the word of Christ. What does that mean for us? Do you know what the good news is? If I were to ask you, tell me five things about the life of Jesus that you, that you appreciate. What, can you, what do you know? What can you tell me about Jesus? Well, gee, golly whiz, uh, born in a manger. Good, good, good. Yay, all right, there's one. Uh, what else? Uh, he was a miracle worker. Yes, 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 he was, a, he was a miracle worker. Yes, he was. What else? He died on the cross. Yes, he did. He died on the cross. I keep wanting to point over there. The cross has got moved up here. Uh, he died on the cross. And he rose from the grave. Yes, hallelujah, he rose from the grave. What else? He was a great teacher. Absolutely, he was a great teacher. What did he teach? Great things. Yeah. <laughs> You know what? We can't proclaim the good news if we don't know the good news. We can't tell people about Jesus if we don't know Jesus. And the only way that we're going to know Jesus is to get into the Word of God. 
It is the words of Christ. It is the teachings of Christ that impact people's lives. To be able to share with people, oh, Jesus. Jesus is the incarnation of the living God. He came and he taught us how to live with one another. In fact, he taught us that our mission in life, once we are connected with God through Jesus Christ, is to be other-focused. That we are here to serve and to sacrifice for others. That we might live together within God's kingdom. Yes, he recognized that we fall short, every one of us. Every one of us have fallen short. And he died on the cross for our sins. He showed us the face of God. He taught us how to live together. He died on the cross for our sins. And the power of the Holy Spirit raised him from the dead. Brought him back to life. And it is the same Holy Spirit that brought Jesus back to life that is at work within us, transforming us into his image so that we can live into the kingdom of God. And then he ascended into the heavens. Why did he send into the heavens? He ascended into the heavens so that the Holy Spirit could come and dwell within us. Man, there's some theology there that's above my pay grade, but I read it. That's what I read in the scripture. Why did Jesus have to go so that the Holy Spirit could come? That's a great question. He said it. So at this point, I'm just going to, he's given me enough answers to trust him for the ones that I don't. And so I'm just going to believe his word. He went into the heaven so that the Holy Spirit could come and reign within me. And the day is going to come when Jesus is going to return. And when he returns, he's going to right every wrong and reign for eternity here on earth. Here on earth, folks. You don't go to heaven. We go to earth, the new earth, the new heaven and the new earth. Heaven is kind of a control tower, if you will, a control space. We can visit there. But we're going to live in a new earth. That's the promise that has been given to us. That's good news. And the world is dying to hear it. How do we know that? How, we, we, well, we, all you have to do is look around right now and see the chaos that's going on. And the fear that's going on because of the coronavirus. And again, I don't want to to minimize the danger of the coronavirus, but I also don't want to be paralyzed. You know, there's danger in getting up every single morning. When we were on vacation, we came came this close to witnessing a head-on collision. We were the second car on the scene. A head-on collision, 70 miles an hour, around a curve, two cars, boom. Neither one of those people... Seconds before that knew what was going to happen. Life changed in an instant. For one of them, it was over. And I I was stunned to recognize how fragile life is. Life is not safe, people. And there are far more dangers out there than just the coronavirus. Yes, it's dangerous, too. It's not the only danger that that we face. But we need to live in the hope and the promise that is ours in Christ Jesus. That is good news. It's good news. And people are dying to hear it, literally and spiritually. Paul goes on. He says, but not all Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. The message is heard through the word of Christ. But I ask, did they not hear? Well, of course they did. Their voice has gone out into all the earth. 
He quotes, uh, he quotes, uh, he, he, he starts, he quotes Joel. He quotes Isaiah. Now he's quoting David from the Psalms. Their voice has gone out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. And then he goes on to quotes Moses. And then again I ask, did Israel not understand? First, Moses says, I will make you envious by those who are not a nation. I will make you angry by a nation that has no understanding. And Isaiah Isaiah boldly says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. But concerning Israel, he says, all day long, all day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. Now, I would encourage you, if you have the time and the interest, to go and look at those verses in the Old Testament and read them in context. Paul is appealing to a greater narrative. But the bottom line is, they knew. They heard. And what Paul is saying, and I think what Paul is saying to us today, is that it is not our responsibility how people respond to what we proclaim with our lives. Our responsibility is to make sure that people have the opportunity. I don't want anybody, anybody ever to come up to me and say, David, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me this good news? That's a challenge for us in these times. In these times where it's becoming increasingly more and more difficult to be an outspoken Christian in this day and age. When, 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 when we are being ridiculed, when, when people are trying to humiliate us, make fun of us, shame us into keeping our mouths shut, we don't have to change anybody's mind. Not one person. But we do have a responsibility to live authentically in the kingdom of God. We need to know who Jesus is if we are going to proclaim Jesus. We need to know the Word of God before we can proclaim the Word of God. My challenge, my challenge to you would be to go back and read the Gospels or just pick one. My favorite is John. You know that. But if that's a bridge too far, go to Mark. That's the short one. You can do that. That's fine. Pastor John's going, woo-woo. He has a shorter attention span. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And it's our feet, my feet, your feet, who take that good news, the word of Christ, and proclaim it in word and in deed. Our lives have to mirror what we say we believe so that when someone comes and asks us for the reason of the hope that is within us, that we have the words to be able to express and say what it is that we believe and why we believe it. But oh, how we need to do that gently and respectfully and humbly. We are where we are because of God's grace and His favor. We're not here because we're so smart. We're so strong. We're so good looking. Wrong answer. We are here because of God's grace and His mercy. And his desire is that everyone would know that grace and that mercy. And recognize that when we, who are image bearers, created in the image of God, live within a framework that God has presented to us in his word, that we can and will flourish. And that's kingdom living. And my friends, that's good news. 
It always has been and it always will be. And my hope and my prayer is that all of us are engaged in proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Pray with me. Thank you for listening to Island Recast. For more information, please go to gmpc.org. So the uh, you know, submarine fleet is called the silent service. Uh, we used to call ourselves the steely-eyed watchdogs of the deep. And, uh, and, and we were out there. Sonar has, uh, uh, has, has two modes, uh, passive and active. And uh, 90% of the time on the, on the boat that I served, uh, sonar acted in a, passive, in a passive mode, which meant all you were doing was listening. And anytime I got to sit on a sonar stack, that's all I got to do was listen. It was all passive. Oh, how I wanted to switch that little knob to go from passive to active. Because when you go active, then you're actually sending uh, what we call pings out into the ocean, uh, actively looking for things to engage in things. I didn't get to do that while I was in the Navy. With regard to faith, there's also a passive and an active component. And my fear is that for too long, the church has been on passive mode. All we're doing is listening. And you know what? It it is important to be good listeners. But if that's all you ever do is listen, it's just not enough. We also need to be active. We need to proclaim. So take the stuff that you're hearing and and run it through your mind and, and understand it. And look for ways to apply what you have heard in your lives and then live it out actively. Send messages into the world that people would know that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. No, you don't have to be perfect. And no, you don't have to convince them of anything. You just need to be convinced in your own heart of who you are in Christ. And then live that faith out loud in word and in deed. Let your faith go active because it is still good news. And again, we live in a world that is dying to hear it. That, my friends, is faithful and obedient life in the kingdom of God.